I grew up in an interesting time in history. The world really took giant steps forward from the 90s into the new millennium. I was speaking with my fifth grade class this week, and some of them were surprised to know that I didn't always have internet in my house growing up. But it came shortly after, but it was a dial-up, and that came and went very quickly. The point is that technology and invention advanced a lot, and thus so did my life and my family. But despite the quick changes that my generation has seen, there were also constants, particularly in the family. In my family, one constant is my dad's love of famous Amos bite-sized chocolate chip cookies. They're always in the house, and they're always on the top shelf. Why? Because while my father loved to eat these cookies, my mother always said, out of sight, out of mind. If you put the cookies on the top shelf where you can't reach them, then you're less likely to go after them and eat the whole box. It's a small thing, but it has a lot to do with what Christ is telling us today in the gospel. He is speaking of what the church today terms avoiding the near occasion of sin. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Of course, I don't think there's any good Christian that would argue that our Lord here is commanding us to literally maim ourselves in order to avoid sin, but there are two things that we need to tease out of this statement. The first is that what we need to do in order to avoid the cause of sin is we need to avoid the near occasion of sin. And what is that? On the surface, some of these things are obvious. We know what the big sins are. We know what sort of environments tend to cause those sins to come out. This is why parents, for instance, want their children to be in a crowd of good kids, because with their friends are in an environment of sin, it's likely that the kids will be drawn into it as well. Or there are certain stores or places that we might be able to immediately say that no good Christian should legitimately ever visit. But what of the deeper causes? All of us sin. All of us have a tendency to hold on to certain sins, which will tend to fall in, which we tend to fall into committing on a more regular basis. And most of these are small, and though not excusable, they're not the immediate matter for our consideration tonight. What I'm talking about is today the need for us to identify the immediate causes for our larger sins. And these will differ from person to person. What does not differ is the manner in which these occasions present themselves. Regardless of our particular sin, if we step back from the moment and examine what happens when we commit this sin, we should begin to notice a pattern. The sin always occurs in the same place or with the same person at this time. I always tend to commit this sin when I'm stressed, for example, or when I've been provoked by this particular person. I never commit this sin in the company of these people, but I always commit it with this person. If we examine our larger sins, we can begin to notice the trigger, and that is essential. It is difficult to defeat our worst vices if we do not try to cut them off at the root. So, for example, it's generally difficult, impossible even, once we are in a position primed to commit certain sins, for us to stare at that temptation in the face and to say no. We're simply too weak for that. The temptation too strong. 
So rather than attempting to face these temptations head on, we have to find ways to prevent us from being in the situation to begin with, the situation where those temptations seek us out. We have to place the cookies on the top shelf. If your eyes causes you to sin, pluck it out. And very often, this is not an immediate solution. We can try to tackle what appears to us to be the direct cause of sin, and then we find it rearing its ugly head at another turn that we didn't expect. So we reevaluate. But the point is that we are deliberately attempting to rid ourselves of these behavior. Deliberately attempting. St. Philip Neri once said, I'm less alarmed for one who is tempted and who resists by avoiding these occasions than for one who is not tempted and is not careful to avoid occasions. When a person puts himself in an occasion saying, I shall not fail, it is almost an infallible sign that he will fail and with great injury to his soul. And this brings us to the second issue to consider. Our Lord isn't speaking of mere shelves and cookies. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Our hand isn't something extraneous to us. If we literally cut off our hand, it would hurt. So the metaphor stands. Sometimes, a lot of the time, removing us from these near occasions of sin, particularly in regard to our favorite and our worst vices, is a painful process. It takes a willingness to put aside things that we enjoy, even if that thing is not directly sinful in itself. It is necessary to put aside that thing because it leads us into sin and therefore can lead to the death of our soul. This could be a favorite pastime of us. We play a sport or enjoy watching a particular television series or going to a particular place on vacation. But every time we're in this environment, this particular vice pops up. So remove the environment, cut off the hand. It may even be a relationship. We have this longtime friend that we enjoy speaking with regularly or spending time with regularly because it feels good to be around them and we enjoy their company, but they encourage us to do this sin. Or they do it around us and that causes us to do it later. Or they try to convince us that this is not a sin at all. Cut off the hand. As difficult, as painful as it may be, cut it off. We must sacrifice that relationship in order to avoid the death of the soul. Or maybe it is a social thing, something, something like an app on our phone. Everyone has it, why shouldn't I? This helps me keep in contact with people. All my children have friends with this app on their phone as well. I can't let them be the only one without it. Whoever causes one of the little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Does an app cause your children to sin? Cut off the hand. Cut it off. You don't need that. They don't need that in their lives. And trust me, this is happening. This is happening a lot. Parents are enabling their children to sin. To sin gravely. Simply because they're not willing to let their child be the only one in their class who isn't doing X or who doesn't have Y. Cut it off. Parents are afraid that their child will end up with an unplanned, out-of-wedlock pregnancy. So what do they do? Demonstrate good moral values? Make sure that the sort of movies and shows they watch avoid the promotion of unchastity? No. What do parents do today? Put their daughter on the pill. 
It's another illness. We will treat it like we'll treat a headache. I don't need to know what my children are doing because I've made sure they don't make a mistake that will result in trouble for them down the road. Some parents say, my children have a right to privacy. I don't need to look to see who they're talking with on the phone. I don't need to know if they are or who they're sending inappropriate images of themselves to. No, parents. I hear your children's confessions. You pay for the cell phone. That is your phone. You're enabling your child to sin. Cut it off. Cut off the hand. Pluck out the eye. It's going to be painful. They're not going to like it. They're not going to like that I told you to do this. But it's not with their soul. And the same goes for you. Are you being mindful of what is placing you in danger of sinning? Maybe you're being good about educating your children in virtue. But are you also making sure that you're avoiding the near occasion of sin? Are you frequenting the sacrament of confession? I can tell you that I fell asleep in the confessional last week because no one came. I'm glad that I get a number of students at the school who approach me for confession. That really encourages me. But I wish their parents would as well. What a great example of Christian parenthood to see your father or your mother go to confession, to see them pray, to see them admit that they can't be involved in a certain activity because it causes them to sin. Watch and pray, says the Lord, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We cannot take refuge in our own ability to avoid sin. And while we may wish it possible to simply pray away temptation, the Lord has not chosen that path for us, but he has given us a path in today's gospel. Cut off the hand. I don't know which form of the act of contrition you memorized as a child. You've probably forgotten it. Maybe it's time to refresh your memory. Oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended you. And I detest all my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. But most of all, because I've offended you, my God, who are all good and deserving of my love. I firmly intend, with the help of your grace, to do penance, to sin no more, and to avoid the near occasion of sin. To avoid the near occasion of sin. Amen.